welcome to the only podcast for piano teachers just starting out, Piano Teacher Primer. My name is Angela Toon. Keep listening for the prime pro tips you can use with your own students right away. Episode 61 of the Piano Teacher Primer podcast. I'm Angela Toon, and this episode is about tough conversations with piano parents. Before we dive in, I'm so grateful to be able to talk to you somewhat normally. Last week, I had a painful infection in my gums, and I promise I brush my teeth and floss, but I had this bacteria just go wild in there. So I've been on antibiotics, and then two other family members are on antibiotics, but We are looking forward to spring and healthy bodies. So uh, today, I'm going to go through some tough situations, potentially challenging, that I've encountered over the years and some ideas on how to handle them with the parents because the connection with student and teacher and parent is key to success in piano teaching in the student's progression. So here are some ways to collaborate and work together with the parents and the students and the teacher together. So here are some situations that I came up with that I have had to have some conversations with the parent. When a student is not ready to start piano lessons, when the student isn't practicing, most common one there, when the student is not ready for the recital, when you're cutting back students, when you're raising your prices, or any change. We'll have some general advice for any change that might come. So with any situation, beforehand, think through it and maybe talk through it with somebody. Say in the mirror what you're thinking of saying to that person. Uh, Type out a draft of a text before sending it. I've received some parenting advice that applies here so directly. It matters more how you feel when you're saying the thing or texting the words. It matters more than the actual words that you use. It's the tone and the feeling and the delivery will be loud and clear, more from the intent, more from what how you're feeling than the words. And if you think you can be mad at somebody and fake it, you probably can't. <laughs> so talk through it, um, relate to that person Like, I get it. My kids play soccer too. I understand and I have forgotten things in the past too. Just like me is a little trick that you can use to relate to that person um, if you're feeling a little bit upset. So work through some of those things and relate to them and try to find some common ground with that person to help smooth over some of the feelings that you might have. And it's still going to be uncomfortable, but if you just are not like flaming mad at them, it will really help. Um, So I was in high school taking piano lessons and my teacher, the cutest Bonnie Winderton, she was a darling teacher, a serious teacher. She also taught at the university. Well, one time... I was super tired, I was cheerleading at the time, and I 
fell asleep and missed my lesson. My mom, of course, had me call and apologize and tell my teacher that I had missed my lesson and that was because I had fallen asleep and I had been having these early morning cheerleading practices, etc. And my cute teacher said, I was a cheerleader too. She understood and she offered a makeup lesson and I felt bad enough without her reaming me out and I followed her encouragement to study music in college. So relate to your students, relate to the parents. Think about times when you have done a similar thing um, and you can smooth things over a little bit. Okay, so now I'm gonna go into specifically those situations I mentioned above. So one situation is when a student is not actually ready, in your opinion as the teacher, to start piano lessons, but the parent maybe thinks they are. It could be between the lines here. So I started these twins one time. They were bouncing off the walls. They were not able to sit at the bench. They were ignoring my rules of my house, like not jumping on the couch. And and let me tell you, I can roll with a lot of energy. One of my own sons was a very energetic kid, but it was like, we're not going to jump on the couch. And they kept doing it, right? And the worst part was I was teaching the same concept to these kids each week. So I communicated with the parent and shared with them, hey, I need you to sit down with them. I need you to work with them. And this is what you, the parent played the piano. So he knew kind of what needed to happen. So I recommended that he sit down with them and practice with them and what the concept was for them to conquer that week. And it was still was the same and it still wasn't changing and So I just had a conversation with the parent and I said, I don't think they are quite ready for the type of piano lessons that I teach. So I suggested that we wait a year and I made a promise to myself that when that time came, I would require the parent to come to the lessons in addition to sitting down with the child and practicing with them. Well, let's just dive right in into the most common problem that we need to discuss with parents, and that is the student not practicing. And first I'm going to talk about, well, maybe they are practicing some, but they're practicing their favorite piece, the one they already know, and then their other music is not getting as much attention. This is a very common scenario. So first thing, obviously, I talk to the student at the lesson, but I have found more success by involving the parent in some way. So there are some different ways that you can talk about this to the parents. One is a text and just say, hey, so-and-so is sounding really good on this piece, and this other one needs some attention. Would you listen for him or her to have hands together by the ends of the by the end of the week? Or Just last week, I sent a text. We have a festival coming up where the students perform two pieces. And here's what I sent to the parent. So-and-so is 90% ready on one piece and 10% ready on the other. So listen for the minuet, hands together this week and fluent the next. I think it was a week I was gonna be out of town. So I had to give him a two week assignment. Let me tell you, we had a great success from that text and then the parent was aware. Sometimes the parent hears the student practicing and they think everything is fine. 
They know that their child is playing the piano. They know they are having them sit down. They may even know that they are putting in a good amount of time, but they may not know if they are giving enough attention to a certain piece or not. So I, as the teacher, need to inform the parent. The best, though, was I went out and talked in person with a parent. So I had a student at the end of the day, so I was able to go out to the car and talk to the parent right after the lesson. I had a little, maybe it was just a little break after. Either way, I said a similar thing, like the student is sounding great in this area and these pieces, but the recital is coming up, and this other piece could use some more practice time. The parent actually thanked me. And this was kind of a newer family to my studio, so I wasn't sure, you know, how she was going to react. But she thanked me and she said that she felt like we were really working together on this to help the child succeed. And she appreciated the honest feedback and the specific instructions on what to listen for. And again, I have to be like just very clear and not dramatic and emotional, but just understanding and just clear instructions for the parent to listen to. That is how we're going to make a big difference. Now, if the student is not practicing at all in general, you would want to have a conversation with the parent and you could start with a text and then if it doesn't change, you may want to talk to them in person and you decide what your policies are going to be. If you want to have a strict policy of like a certain amount of practicing is required for your studio and if you've got other students in the waiting list, you may want to say, hey, you need to find another teacher. And some ways that you can say this could be that my program might be a little bit too rigorous for this particular student or they let's find a teacher that's more of a match for your style. So there's some different ways that you can say that that doesn't crush the spirit and doesn't cause the student to cancel piano and music lessons altogether. It would be helpful for them to continue, but if it is a drain on your soul, then you may consider passing them on to another teacher. Um, and if there are other teachers in your area, they might love another student and they wouldn't mind working with a slower pace level. So those are just a couple of ideas on how you can handle that. It's a huge topic, and I actually have early in my podcast a lot of other episodes about practicing, and I will need to do some more because it is a huge, huge topic and one of the most challenging parts of teaching piano. Uh, here's another scenario that came up recently when a student is not ready for the recital. And I've done this in a conversation and also over text, depending on how I expect the parent to react. And you could say, so first, obviously, I talk about it with the student. And hey, this recital is next week. This is more than a one-week project right now. And, you know, the past is in the past. We can't change what happened and we wish maybe we put in more time previous to now but here we are today it's not realistic to be able to get this piece ready and memorized in one week 
So something like that. Again, just clear, non-emotional. It's just here we are today. There's not enough time at this point. We all know, right? As pianists, you really can't cram piano. Some students more than others. And this is another side topic with this, is know your students. And if they are some that need extra time, try to start those recital pieces a lot, a lot earlier so that it will help flow through those ebbs and flows of practicing weeks and those busy times in the family's lives that they can get their pieces learned in time by starting way earlier. But sometimes, no matter how early you start, the student still thinks that they can procrastinate. This is why learning piano is so good for kids. It teaches them that procrastination does not work. It really does not work. And even the kids that are fast learners and fast memorizers, it doesn't always create a solid result. You just need that time. There's no... There's no substitute for having that time in there. So here's something that is a general a general thing. Like I mentioned, sometimes I do things by text and sometimes I talk to them in person or a phone call. So here's a good way to decide. When something is emotionally charged, like you think the parent might have an emotional reaction to what you're saying, or if you have a little bit of an emotional feeling behind something, in person or over the phone is going to be better than a text. Text, as you know, can be challenging with the tone. You can't always tell if something has the tone that you think it might. And, and I kind of know my families too. And I know the parents that are like, yep, we'll get on it. And then like a newer family, then I'm not sure how the parent's going to react. I'm going to call them on the phone. I'm going to go out and talk to them in the car. I'm going to say, send a text and say, hey, can you come in for the last 10 minutes of the lesson today? And I might discuss it that way. If you know you don't have extra time, you can use lesson time to talk through it. But if it's emotionally charged in any way, don't give a text or an email. Um, phone call, in person. It takes bravery to do that. It does. And it feels more uncomfortable to think about. It seems so much easier to just send a text, to send an email. But there is a much better result and a much better connection with the families if you can do it in person or on a phone call. Because then that tone comes through. You can talk through things and again, kind of talk to yourself before that time and and see what you can what things that you can find are the same between you and the parent and how you can relate to their situation. And can we all agree to never ever ghost somebody? Uh, a long time ago, a piano family just ghosted me. I started contacting them about scheduling the next semester, and I didn't hear a single word. I mean, even a text would be better than ghosting, right? Just a simple text of like, hey, we have decided to go a different direction. Okay, thank you so much, you know? Uh, we have found another teacher that works better with our schedule. Okay, that is fine. But ghosting is not cool. And I just heard about a piano teacher ghosting a family. They asked a question to this piano teacher 
and then he completely ghosted them afterwards. So let's make a promise to each other in this piano teaching community to not ghost anybody. And you know what? If someone ghosted me, I would track them down and call them out and say, hey, uh, maybe I wouldn't be brave enough to do that. Let's be honest. But uh, okay, so final thoughts are when some possible other tough conversations you might have, which is like cutting back on students. So each time I've had a new baby or when I moved, I cut back my studio. Actually, when I moved, they kind of cut back themselves because they didn't want to drive all the way over here. But again, you're going to say it simply and honestly. So um, when I and I felt like bad about it, the the when I would have a baby and I was cutting back my studio because I would pick and choose to cut back between you and me, the students that weren't practicing as much. And those were the times when I could kind of cut back. And I would say, I am having a baby. I'm cutting back my studio. Here are some other teachers that I can recommend. Here are some other teachers that have openings. And just say, I can teach them up to this time. And then I'll be on maternity leave and then I will be teaching less so that I can take care of my baby. So it's nice to have a reason, but you can make a reason if you want. I'm cutting back my studio for this reason. Here are some other teachers. And then I always try to give the student like one more lesson. Like if I ever have to stop teaching a student, I try to give them one more lesson to kind of send them on their way and give them some positive, encouraging comments to to continue piano, to continue music, to show them how far they've come while they were with me and then teach them how it has helped in their life. Uh, and then when raising prices, so my cute teacher, Bonnie, I talked to about her in the beginning. So she was my piano teacher in high school. She was so inspiring. Uh, she also talked to me about when you raise your prices. So there's just a couple of hints with this. One, you want to, I, I always send an actual letter, a snail mail letter, and I explain some of the reasons behind raising the prices. Sometimes it's my costs increasing, sometimes it's things I've added to my program, things I'm planning to add to my program, and then I always explain how my experience grows every year as a piano teacher, and I just get better and better at it, and that's more and more experience that I can pass on to these students and give them a more quality experience in piano lessons. So some kind of thing like that. And again, you don't wanna just text. In my opinion, I feel like something a little more robust is in order for something like raising your prices. Uh, you know, in other areas of the business world, like new clients could be charged higher and then grandfathered in the, the old. You can do that if you want to charge less for your existing or your past students and then new students coming in charge more. But my teacher didn't recommend it and I don't recommend it either because parents talk. If they find out you could, if they're paying for the same experience. But you can decide how you want to do that. If you want to give multi-child discounts, if you, you know, things that make sense. But having just new students coming in, charging them more, I can see the point, but I think it's better to just charge more in your whole studio. And I encourage all you teachers out there to raise your prices. My one friend, she doubled her prices, hoping to cut back on teaching, hoping some of her students would find another teacher 
they all stayed. So raise your prices, charge what you're worth, push that boundary, let's elevate our profession. And any change in your studio, communicate, communicate, communicate. And just like we learn how our students react and learn the abilities of our students, we're also going to learn the parents and the ones that you think might be emotionally charged. Give them a call, be brave, talk to them in person. Um, You are the expert on the piano teaching. They're the expert on the parenting, but we are working together on helping the child succeed. The parent wants the child to succeed and they want piano to fit into their life. So if you understand life, I think I've been so much more understanding about things like this from being a parent myself. You know, before I was a parent, I was like, what's the big deal? You make your kid practice, the end. But now as a parent, I'm like, oh yeah, it's hard. And it's hard to get them to play all of their pieces. (laughs) So I'm right in the thick of it with them. And it really helps, I think, from my own perspective, for me to not be mad at people, but to understand them, but also be like, Their progress is suffering, so let's improve this area. Yeah, so clear, regular communication, and thank you so much for being with me today. Hey, I am teaching some new master classes in the month of March. Oh my goodness, this episode will be published March 1st. So we have some new master classes coming out. I'm going to be teaching some crucial, crucial information about memorizing pieces, teaching memorization, and about performance anxiety. And this could benefit us as pianists, but also we can pass this knowledge on to our students. Sorry if you hear my dog scratching at the door. He's not allowed when I'm recording and he wants to be in here with me right now, but he's not allowed. So uh, thank you so much for being with me and we'll see you at the master classes. Before you go, a quick note. Your dedication to piano education is keeping the music alive. If you've found value in our conversation, please leave a rating or a review and share it with a fellow piano teacher. Together, we're changing the world one student at a time. Until next week, play on.